Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, my co-host, what a pleasure as always. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing today, Sheila? David, I am great. I understand we were running a little bit late because you were running a little bit late. And I was sitting here at my computer in eager anticipation of going on air with you. Well, let me tell you what happened. As you know, I have a plug-in hybrid vehicle for one reason, and that mm. is I get to drive in the HOV lane by myself because I have that beautiful little green plate. And can you believe it? Those hooligans at the Ministry of Transport closed the HOV lane, the lane for my beautiful green goblin to drive in, adding 15 more minutes to the drive. I had to go with all the other schlubs without green vehicles. And, uh, oh, it was just, uh, listen, I was driving like Charles Bronson to get here on time, and I got here on time, and that's all that counts. So you can't blame me when my beautiful, Green Goblin's Lane is eradicated. That's all you save every day by driving around in that green indignity? Is no. 15 minutes? That's what your masculinity is worth for you? 15 minutes per day? For shame, David Menzies, for shame. No, wait a minute. From that point of the HOV lane, it wasn't the entire. So really, I'm saving a half hour. So each way, that's an hour. So an hour a day times five times. Well, you do the math. Well, don't do the racist math, folks, that we have in Ontario. Don't do the colonialist white supremacy math. Think of some kind of diverse math to do, um, and you'll find that this saves weeks off my commute every year, Sheila Gunn-Reed. I know it's not on our list of, thing, of things to talk about, but I do kind of want your insight into this, like, colonialist racist numbers thing. Because... I Call me crazy, outside looking in, I thought that many parents who were supportive of another candidate through their support behind Doug Ford once she was sort of knocked out of the race because they didn't want this social justice mumbo jumbo shoehorned into the education system. And yet, here we are, just a little while later. Um, what is Doug Ford doing in the education system that former Liberal Premier Kathleen Wynne wouldn't be doing. Oh, Sheila, uh, even worse. And I'm glad you brought up that topic. I actually went to the Ministry of Education uh, website to look at the math curriculum uh, on the insistence of somebody that told me to do so. And I went through it and I cannot find anything, of course I can't find anything racist or colonial or white supremacy. It is mathematics. Sheila, there is no nuance in math. Now, if we were talking history, of course there's nuance there. And as the saying goes, history is written by the victors. If there's political science, yeah, there's nuance there. Two plus two equals four. It always has equaled four. It always will equal four. This is absolute nonsense. And then I heard, you know, the, the Minister of Education, Steve Lecce, uh, who stole the nomination, by the way, I should say, um, and we were there to cover it uh, for Rebel News some five years ago for the King Vaughn writing. 
what I've been told is, oh, you know, don't blame Steve. Uh, it's the bureaucrats that are, have been coming up with these policies. And I'm going, what? If you're the minister of education, you're the minister. You tell the bureaucrats to go you know where, Sheila, because the yeah. buck stops at your, your desk. And for Ford not even to weigh in on this. So, I mean... We have Premier Ford being led around by the nose by the unelected, unaccountable health bureaucrats in this province, uh, saying, well, oh, golly, folks, if I had my way, I'd let you eat and watch the Euro Cup indoors, uh, but I can't. Uh, and then we have Lecce being led around the nose by the education bureaucrats on such an outrageous thing. And I can tell you, I know people that have come from third world nations, Sheila, that have ended up on Bay Street, that have ended sure. up in science uh, jobs, technology jobs. You go and ask them, is mathematics racist? They would laugh in your face. They have embraced a discipline that's allowed them to achieve um, wealth, to live the Canadian dream. And they have a bunch of yahoos, to use the premier's term, in the uh, education bureaucracy going, oh, we got to get rid of this colonialism. We got to get rid of this white supremacy. We got to get rid of uh, whatever they're coming up with. Here's my question, and I've read all the media articles about this, Sheila, and I want to ask you give me one example in mathematics. I don't care if it's arithmetic, subtraction, multiplication, calculus, you name it. Give me one example of that equation being something born out of colonialism or white supremacy. Just one. I haven't found it yet, Sheila. Well, what are they going to do now? Like, first of all, and I know we've got some housekeeping things that we should get rid of about where we're streaming and, and how to support the work that we do. But while this is on my the top of my mind, and I realize I already have gotten us all off track. Um, <laughs> but you know who's really benefiting from all of this? Oh, China, <laughs> you know, oh, like I never even went there. You're right. You're right. You know, they're cranking out well-educated kids while we are telling kids, oh, no, no. The question about one train is going 60 kilometers an hour towards <laughs> Toronto and another train starting in Sudbury is going 20 kilometers an hour towards Toronto. Now we in the Western world have to say, uh, no, sorry, it's not trains anymore. One BLM march is starting at Queen's yes. Park. And when does that run into the uh, gay pride parade that is beginning at, I don't know, where's that park where everybody sleeps in the park against the rules? Oh, Trinity um, Bellwood. Trinity Bell <laughs> Bellwood. You know, like th this is uh, the sort of math questions now that we have to ask kids to avoid, you know, colonialism. I I don't understand any of it. I, I have no idea. But what I do know is China's going to laugh all the way to world domination. Well, maybe you've stumbled across the answer. Um, I am almost certain trains must have been invented by white supremacists. I mean, how else could you explain it? But on the issue of China, um, yes, we're putting them at a competitive advantage because in addition to this rubbish, about math being racist somehow without a single real example. They're getting rid of the streaming system here too, Sheila. So it used to be the really smart kids, right? 
you'd put into, I think back in the day of my, when I went to high school, I think it was called level six. The regular level was five. So there was level six uh, math and there was level six English. And for good reason, because these kids, Sheila, if they're with the average kids, they're getting bored to tears, especially when they get it. They know as much as the teacher, if yep. not more. And when the regular kids are putting up their hands saying, I don't understand it. It's no fault of them. They, they're just not, you know, so math in tune. I mean, listen, I failed grade 11 math, okay? So yeah. it's not like I'm a mathematical genius and I didn't go crying about it and curl up in the fetal position. Math just, by the time I got to grade 11, it wasn't my thing. But do you think I was offended in the least that there were people not only passing grade 11 math, but excelling at grade 11 math and excelling so much they went to another level. Oh, no, 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 we can't have that. You know, that might hurt the self-esteem of the other kids, right? Uh, just like failing kids would, help, would hurt their uh, self-esteem, which we don't do anymore in Ontario, Sheila. Even if uh, little Johnny or little Janie can't spell cat if you spotted them the C and the T. So, yeah, tell me how this... Uh, is going to position our kids moving forward to compete in a global world. It's going to put them at a disadvantage. Well, and even worse than that, we are graduating people with a whole pile of unearned confidence. Yep. That they, they've never been failed at anything. They've never not succeeded at anything. And their feelings have been protected from any sort of discomfort. They've never experienced disagreement. And they are going to go up with up against, you know, the forces of the world that are hell bent on world domination. Imagine the cry rooms these people are going to need our future leaders. You know, I, I dread the next generation being in charge. Well, this is what you get when you have uh, so-called progressive uh, leaning on communism uh, uh, school unions, uh, Sheila, and yeah. school boards. Uh, that have been uh, infiltrated by these very same people. So it's just, you know, the common denominator, um, uh, to use a racist math term, now is the status quo. And uh, it, it, um, it eclipses logic. And it's, it's just so sad to see a conservative government with a guy like Lecce and a premier like Ford um, not wanting to ruffle any feathers, not wanting to upset um, somebody on the education beat at the Toronto Star or the CBC, that they just meekly go along with it. What a disgrace. And uh, I, like, I, I just dread for the economic future of this country. Yeah. Who do we have uh, that is going to be able to lead a business, uh, let alone government. I mean, these are the people we're graduating right now. And please don't send me letters. I know not all kids are like this. I have kids that are not like this. But this is by and large the culture of public education these days and especially the university system. Um, we should get to some of these housekeeping issues though because we're 12 can, minutes. Before we do, can I just give you a little example since we're on this uh, <laughs> tangerine and then we'll get down to business because I never thought I would see this happen. We, uh, I knew a couple who knew a couple who had a young child in uh, elementary school and there, this is back in the early 90s here in Toronto. And they were taught, they, were, they had a parenting model where 
you never say no. You never say that's wrong. And uh, the people I knew went over to their house and uh, their kid came out and they said, uh, it was a simple mathematical equation, right? It was, you know, what's 10 plus five? And he'd go, 17. And they go, they clap, they go, good, good answer, good answer. Uh, is there a better answer? And then he goes, nine. Now, now he's actually gone even worse because the question is 10. And they're going, yeah. good answer, good answer. Do you think there's but a better answer? <laughs> they would even say, do you think there's a correct answer? Because that's too much into the territory. And this blew my mind. And this was something from the early 90s. And now we see it coming to fruition, right? Let's never say you're wrong. Let every answer go. Maybe there's a better answer or a more appropriate answer, but don't say that's a wrong answer. It might hurt the kid's self-esteem. True story, hand up to God, Sheila. It's, it, and here we are, it's all coming to fruition through official ministry policy. <laughs> I can't wait till all the gender neutral babies <laughs> raised on, on decolonized math are in charge of the world. I just can't wait. I just we're in for a wild ride, Mr. Menzies. I think okay. I'll be dead by then and I'll be and I'll be smiling in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, if you're not dead, you'll be wishing you were. Anyway, let's, let's get to the business of the day because um We've got people watching us for some reason, and uh, they're still <laughs> tuned you. in. So we should tell them what we're doing here. Please. So this is the, Re the Rebel Daily News live stream. Yeah, we actually eventually get around to talking about the news of the day, um, or at least stuff. Um, we used to stream just on YouTube and just on Fridays. Um, but then the pandemic struck. There's more news than ever, more things to talk about. Things are changing all the time. And you know what? We were grounded from travel and a lot of our people who normally watch us, they were stuck at home too. So we thought, why not convene the Rebel Friday live stream four more days? So five full days of the week, we stream at 10 a.m. out here in the West and 12 at the center of the universe. We, I mentioned YouTube. We do stream there, but mostly just for spite and a good place for people to find us because they have completely demonetized us there. They're a censorship platform. That's just how it is. They don't want us there, so we're going to remain there. And uh, we don't want to completely abandon the 1.5 million people, very nearly, who have subscribed to us there. But if you are watching us on YouTube, might I suggest you take a bit of an off-ramp and head on over to one of the other platforms that doesn't care about your politics because I don't need a platform to be conservative. I just need a platform to shut up, leave me alone, let me talk. And that's um, what's happening over at Rumble. And might I suggest, if you haven't already subscribed to us on Rumble, could you? I think we're at 79,000 subs on Rumble. And boy, it sure would be great for David and me to be the ones who ticked us over the 80K mark. Yes. Um, and so you can watch us on Rumble. You can also watch us on SuperU. That's a great free speechy platform. Over there, you can uh, 
talk back and forth. You can do something called the Super You Shout, and you can leave us a tip on Super You to support the work that we do because, as I mentioned, we were completely demonetized by YouTube. And, of course, we'll never take any of Justin Trudeau's bailout money. So you can support us out of your own free will. We're also streaming on Odyssey. Odyssey has two different ways to support us. So you can buy some of Odyssey's library cryptocurrency and you can send us a hyper chat, which is something akin to the old super chats on YouTube. And uh, you can send us a message, donate to us some of your library cryptocurrency, or you can tip us as a creator um, for the video content. And I think that covers all the bases of the house. Yeah, and when you tip us, it can either be a dollar amount or a percentage Oh, gee, Sheila, I'm getting into colonialist math now. <laughs> Just yeah. strike that from the record. David <laughs> uh, Anyhow, um, what's very much in the news these days is the vaccine, as always. Uh, the mainstream media is consumed with what I call COVID porn. They just feast mm. on, you know, broadcasting how many new positive cases there are. It's all doom and gloom. And speaking of uh, doom and gloom, uh, we have a little video here, folks, on uh, Premier Kenny and vaccine passports. Check it out. What's your position on vaccine passports for those individuals unwilling to be vaccinated? Opposed. And we've been very clear from the beginning that we will not facilitate or accept vaccine passports and that, in fact, we regard I believe that they would, in principle, contravene the uh, Health Information Act and also possibly the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. We also amended the Public Health Act to remove the 110-year-old power, allowing Alberta to force people to be inoculated. So these folks who are concerned about mandatory vaccines have nothing to be concerned about, and there will be no vaccine passports in Alberta. And will the provincial government act on behalf of Alberta citizens if the federal government seeks to impose such restrictions? Yes. Am I too cynical these days, Sheila, whenever I hear a leader saying, folks, you have nothing to be concerned about? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm concerned. Yeah, my, <laughs> my heart starts racing, right? Kind of like the captain of the Titanic saying, we're taking on a little water, but relax. We've got the band playing some uh, swinging tunes here. Sheila, what's your take on your premiere? Well, first of all, I think I was having some audio problems, but Justin, does it sound like it's been fixed? Did I fix it? Yes. He said it sounded fine, but obviously he noticed. So uh, I, th I had the wrong mic talking to the wrong piece of equipment, but I fixed it. Um, my concern with Jason Kenney is, while he says he's against vaccine passports, the first major event in Alberta post-reopening requires vaccine passports in two different ways and i forgot about the first way so the one that everybody's talking about all the public is that you require basically proof of vaccination to go into nashville north now nashville north is one of the huge attractions at the stampede it's the live music venue and as you know we haven't had live music in 16 months we love our country music we love partying at the stampede this is the place to be if you're not at the rodeo, you go over to Nashville North and you require proof of vaccination there and or rapid COVID testing. So you can get in the queue to get a number to go and get rapid tested to get into Nashville North, even though I think some well over 70 percent of our population has had at least one uh, dose of vaccine. So there's one vaccine passport that's happening 
at the event that Jason Kenney was literally at. He's at a Stampede Pancake Breakfast. The whole city is engaged in the Stampede. And he, that has slipped his mind that, wait, we are actually testing a vaccine passport at this quasi-public agency, the Calgary Stampede. And secondarily, for the American rodeo cowboys to come up. Mm. So these are the guys who actually have been competing in rodeo in places like North and South Dakota, Wyoming, Texas, Florida, all the places where they could qualify for and participate in rodeos leading up to the Calgary Stampede. Whereas our guys really didn't get a chance to do any of that, the Canadian rodeo cowboys, unless they were in the States. They required proof of vaccination to compete in the Stampede. And because of that, a lot of world champ rodeo cowboys said no. And, you know, like you're dealing with American cowboy culture, so you don't tell them what to do. You're not going to tell them you need to get this experimental medical, uh, uh, this engage in this large scale medical testing to participate in the sport that you've been safely participating in all these open states in the United States. And so a lot of them didn't come up. That's where we're at. And so for so when Jason Kenney says to Adam, yeah, we're not we're not doing vaccine passports here. You're literally doing vaccine passports here. So that's really interesting. So you're, you're telling me, Sheila, they're saying to these American cowboys, you need both jabs or you don't get to ride, period. And, right. And, well, you know, and I mean, that that, that is amazing. The th- what I want to ask you, um, and forgive my ignorance, when it comes to Nashville North and the Calgary Stampede, who who runs that? So uh, the Calgary Stampede is this sort of quasi-public agency. And it. Um, so I, I think it's got some uh, money thrown in by the city of Calgary, and it's sort of this self-perpetuating agency. So uh, while it's kind of private, it's kind of not really, and... Uh, But it is this testing ground for the first major reopening event where there are two different vaccine passports required for people to engage in the in the stampede. I guess it would be like the um, what you guys have an exhibition in Toronto or whatever it is. It's like that. And, and, and that, of course, would be the city agency. Of course, that's been canceled again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it usually takes a world war to cancel the CNE, but now it's just yeah. COVID. Um, no, because I would love to get, Sheila, a legal opinion, uh, even if it's a, a private, a quasi-public agency, whatever you want to call it. Do they have, indeed, this right to say that you want to attend, you want to compete, you've got to have both jabs or else the answer is no. I don't know. I'm, I'm just posing it as a question. Maybe we sh- it, it, it's something we should run by our, our lawyers and maybe these are court challenges in the near future to come. Well, and, you know, for Jason Kenney, it, again, in a world of Cuomo's, you always want to be a DeSantis, but more often than not these days, Jason Kenney's more of a Cuomo. And so you look at how Ron DeSantis reacted to the cruise ship companies yeah. when they said, okay, um, if you want to uh, come on a cruise ship, you're going to have to have proof of vaccination, which is basically a vaccine passport. Ron DeSantis said, well, then you just can't dock in Florida. Sorry, you won't be docking here. You won't be doing business here. Beautiful. And I love that, Jason, man. <laughs> he's the thought leader of the Republican Party. Yeah. 
but Jason Kenney didn't say anything about that. He yeah. just said, yeah, we, we're not doing them, but you're literally doing them. You're standing yeah. at an event where they're doing two of them. So and, and so what you have is two different classes of people, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to be much like they did um, on Game 7 of the Leafs Canadian series, that was Toronto's first vaccine passport event when they allowed a whopping 350 people into a 20,000-seat arena. Yeah. Um, you know, you had to have uh, both jabs or, or else you, you don't get it. So... Um, there's two classes, and of course, I, I assume, you know, Sheila, you know more about rodeo than I do. Um, some of these American cowboys, they would be stars, I guess. They yep. would be, you know, yep. name brands. And uh, so you're depriving the fans, the top talent. Yeah, and these guys have been competing in mostly open states. Like, think about the rodeo states. So you're thinking about Florida, you're thinking about Texas, you're thinking about Wyoming, North and South Dakota. Um, these are open states. These are healthy guys, top of their game, and some world champs have declined to come to Canada to participate in our flagship rodeo because of the vaccine passport requirement. And again, like you say, they're denying the fans the ability to see these guys, but they're also denying Canadian rodeo cowboys a chance to compete against world champs. Exactly. Well, but you know what, Sheila, to be fair... When I competed as a bull rider in the 1985 Smoky Lake Rodeo, uh, I Justin's got... Justin's favorite story. <laughs> yeah, Justin, he's going to hear it again, but I got both jabs. Uh, they weren't needles. They were the bull's horns going into my torso, but I got the jabs. I sure did. <laughs> um, I, you know, I will say, though, good hustle by Adam there because Adam was there, by the way, and I'll just tease it. We don't really have the video ready yet, but Adam was at that event with the fire Shandro billboard truck. So (laughs) it's not like he was in a welcoming place. He showed up at a a premier Kenny event with where it would be attended by largely Kenny loyalists and deep conservative partisans. And I think most of us in Alberta are conservative, but we're sort of non-denominational conservative. We uh, we ascribe to the values of conservatism and not uh, any particular party, especially these days. But Adam took that truck behind enemy lines. He drove it right into the enemy. <laughs> he parked it out front and then he got in there and he asked a question. And Adam's question about vaccine passports was... Headline news yesterday in every major newspaper, I think, including the Globe and Mail. And so good on Adam that it takes a lot of guts to go somewhere where, you know, most of the people there are not going to be receptive to your message uh, of the billboard truck. And then you get out of the billboard truck and then you walk into the media scrum where, you know, most of the media doesn't like you either. (laughs) And then you ask a man that you've spent the last 90 days being highly critical of. A tough question. So good for Adam. So, oh, indeed, good for Adam. But I guess what you're getting at, Sheila, brings to mind the phrase, like a skunk to the garden party. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. the welcome he probably got. And he probably was. not even in nasty comments, but just I can only imagine the glares, you know, the, you know, heat vision look in the eyes of uh, these uh, partisan uh, Kenny uh, supporters. Uh, but oh, you know what? You, you, know, I, you know, before you go on, I have to... I I just saw a little clip of it this morning. I was watching through it. Uh, K2, Kean uh, 2, uh, Adam's videographer, was there with him. And he wisely zoomed in on 
Health Minister Tyler Shandro's face. Oh. As he knew he was the next guy to get a question from Adam. And you could see, like, the gulping. You get, like, he zoomed in <laughs> on his throat. And you could see the, like, serious gulping of the health minister knowing he was next. <laughs> oh, if I'm Shandro, I'm pretending I just came down with laryngitis. You know, oh, yeah. Can't talk. Sorry. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Well, we have some chats, I understand, uh, Sheila. You know what, though, uh, Justin, I know you really want us to get to some chats, but I think we should talk about the audiobook first. Oh, right. Yes. For Unsporting. Um, and uh, this is brand new. For those of you who spend a lot of time in the vehicle, like me, because I'm literally an hour from civilization most days. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now that things are open back up, I'm driving kids around. And so I'm in the car a lot. Uh, for work and otherwise. And, you know, I, for me, I just don't like the snap track country music that infests the radio station. So I like to listen to podcasts and audiobooks when I'm in the car. And if you're like me, I've got great news because if you go to unsporting.com, um, we've got the audiobook for uh, Barbara Kay's new book is ready to go. So let me just minimize that. So by Linda Blade and Barbara Kay, our brand new book, Unsporting How Trans Activism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sport. And uh, this is near and dear to my heart because I have a daughter who plays rugby. And so you can imagine what it would be like for her to be a across from a 15-year-old boy in the scrum. And I know there are a lot of parents out there with daughters like mine who've worked really hard at their sport and they could have opportunities stolen from them by boys uh, perhaps mediocre boys who would get a better shot at success playing against smaller girls. But anyways, you can get the audiobook um, available at unsporting.com. It'll take you, it'll click you through over to Amazon. Get it there. Isn't that great? It is great, Sheila. And you know what? You know what I love about that book? It's the subtitle. How trans activism and science denial are destroying sport. And just yeah. to dial it back to what we opened with, with mathematics being racist, this is what it is, isn't it? It's about denying science because you don't want anyone to have hurt feelings. And as yeah. a result, you have boys and men competing against girls and women in a dangerous uh, kind of sport, like a contact sport, um, yep. such as mixed martial arts, judo, what have you, wrestling, uh, cleaning the floor, of course. You have men who are the worst of the worst, rapists, pedophiles, serial killers, saying, you know what, I'm a chick. I want to go to uh, the Kitchener uh, Institute for Women. Yes, boss, no problem. No hormones, no surgery, nothing. Just identify, and we don't want to hurt his feelings. I mean, who's kidding who? Whether it's inmates transferring into female um, jails, uh, Sheila, or uh, males competing with females, this isn't about hurt feelings. These are con artists scamming the system, gaming the system, and we will capitulate. We will take a knee and we will deny science, the same science that has been um, used 
as the catalyst for almost two years of COVID mystery, uh, misery that we are beholden to the science of COVID-19. We can't let you get a haircut. We can't let you uh, go shopping, etc., etc., etc. So the science is embraced for all it's worth in that case, but it is denied in case um, a transgendered male uh, might uh, come up with a tear or two for not being able to either compete with real biological 100% women or get incarcerated with those same women. What an absolute disgrace. I would bet you, Sheila, if you had, I don't pick a country at random, you know, including ours. If you had a referendum on this, do you think this should be allowed? It is the high 90s, like 99%. I would, I would bet my life on it of people saying, no, this is wrong. So, Sheila, why, why do we have the tail wagging the dog on this issue? I'm old enough to remember when men who wanted to punch women in the face were bad guys. But now we're just like, yeah, mixed martial arts, I guess you just could be a girl and compete against the girls and severely injure them and end their careers. And with regard to like men being in female prisons, these are by and large men convicted of crimes of moral perpetuity, as they say. Uh, They've made a career out of being less than ethical, often liars, um, uh, hidden their crimes. and, And yet we're like supposed to just believe them when they wake up one morning and say, I don't want to be in cell block C with Big Joe. Yeah. I want to be in the ladies prison where it's a whole different atmosphere, a whole different culture. Um, and there's arguments to be made for and against that. But that typically the crimes women commit are not the same crimes that men commit. And so their prisons are much different. Um, and as you pointed out in that or as one of the people you pointed out in a video that you recently did about this issue of men being in female prisons, I know that we're talking about sport, but this is all part of the same issue, is that oftentimes women's children are visiting them in these prisons, which is why they're a lot softer. It's better. It's oftentimes better for the kids to not be separated from their mothers. Sometimes there are babies born in these prisons um, where they are with their mothers for a while. And then you have these uh, problematic men uh, choosing to be women so that they can enter these prisons. And, you know, you in that video, actually, that you did, you there were transgender people there. Yes. Who were who were saying, like, we're not against transgenderism. That's right. There was a there was a uh, a transgender person there who spoke out on behalf of women to be safe while they are behind bars. Well, and, and so that's the problem in all of this. Exactly, Sheila. There was a transgender person that we put on camera. And if that transgender person is with the real biological woman saying this should not be happening, if that's a representative of the transgender community, then who in blue blazes are we protecting? You know, yeah. we're protecting, protecting a a perverse idea, I think, that is not a real thing. And you know, speaking of those women that were protesting outside the uh, Kitchener uh, facility for women, you know, what was heartbreaking was that you have men, and Sheila, I'm not kidding, we had a photo of one, facial hair, muscles, tats, the whole thing, like not, never in a million years would be confused as a woman 
And going into this institution, harassing women in communal eating areas, harassing women naked in a communal showering area. Can you imagine? I'm talking physical, I'm talking sexual, and the guards turning a blind eye and, you know, can you just deal with it? But if you use he, him to describe that lady, don't you dare misgender that. Don't you dare misgender her, right? Or else you're going to have privileges taken away. This is insanity, Sheila. Well, and I, I, I know I'm going to sound social justice here, and I'm not. But a lot of these women end up in, in a life of crime yep. because of trauma early in their lives. And mm -hmm. a lot of that trauma is related to uh, sexual abuse, from men in their lives and sometimes strangers, but more often than not, it's not from strangers. And so that sets them down this path, oftentimes of drug abuse and high risk lifestyles that lands them in prison. And I think it's that way for everybody. I think probably men too. I mean, you just don't wake up one day and decide that you're going to, you know, become a career recidivist. However, you know, for, that usually is the entry point for a lot of women into their life of criminality is yeah. that abuse point. And so they are taken into the custody of the province, the state, whatever, where they are, their liberty, their liberty is taken away, but it is the onus on the province to keep them safe while they're behind bars. Yeah. And then they re-expose them to the trauma that landed them there in the first place. You're 100% right. And many of these women would be highly susceptible to a predator coming into them because many of them have grown up their, uh, their entire lives living with a predator situation. And the other thing too, Sheila, you, you talked about the liberty being taken away. This is what the most perverse thing is about the idea of sending biological males to serve time with biological females. The most fundamental human right, bar none, is freedom. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. It is freedom. We have taken away that right when you're a prisoner, and for good reason. So if we've taken away your fundamental human right of freedom, then why can't we also take away your phony baloney right of I'm a woman trapped in a man's body and I want to uh, you know, serve in this prison? I, it makes no sense. <laughs> you know, you were talking earlier, it just occurred to me, you were talking earlier about, you know, that this is coming from the same people who told us in the last 16 months to follow the science. Yeah. But I think we are in, with regard to that, in the last 16 months, I think we might actually be in the feelings part of the follow the science. I yeah. think we might be headed towards exactly where people are on denying uh, biological reality with regard to men in women's prisons, men in women's sports. I think with COVID, we are at the point where we have surpassed biology and we've, we've headed into feelings territory. And you see this with people who continue to wear the masks. Oh, yeah. And when you ask them, they say, oh, I'm double vaccined. Um, however, it makes everybody around me feel better. So we're there. We're there, I guess. We've yeah. abandoned the science and we've already moved into, well, feelings part of that issue too it yeah. just takes time to get there oh i think as our boss ezra said that the mask is now a political um symbol more than um protecting you uh from the cooties of the covid19 uh virus this is a, a symbol saying i like big government 
I like big lockdowns. I like being told what to do. How else can you explain? I mean, just driving in today, uh, you know, I'm on um, Major Mac, and I look over, and there's a single driver in a Lexus SUV wearing a mask. And I'm I thinking, see it all the time. <laughs> you know, what kind of a jabroni does this? I mean, there's 0.0, .0 risk. You're, you've got the windows rolled up. You're in a little bubble. And you're wearing a What are you protecting yourself from? Why are you putting yourself through such misery? I feel sorry for those people. They used to irritate me because <laughs> it irritates me when I see people just so easily brainwashed. I know. But I, I, know. I feel bad for them. I feel bad me for too. them the same way I feel bad for people who are abused by cult leaders. Yeah. And they just get in there. They're true believers. They can't get out. They Some part of them still exists where they know like this is not how it should be, but they're doing it anyway because they surrounded themselves with other people who are like-minded and they've purged all the people out of their lives who would be that baseline for normal, which is exactly what cults do. Um, and so um, I really, I do, I do pity them. I really do pity yeah, them. I, I, I'm with you. And, and for some reason it bugs me too. But anyways, that's my uh, issue to deal with. So Sheila, um, why don't you uh, read some of the, the chats that have come in, and then we'll go to a, um, a day in time in Toronto, which is Sunday evening after the Euro Cup, where we saw all this BS evaporate when it came to masking and social distancing in Little Italy. We got some footage of that. But, in the but before we go on, how about a few of those chats, my friend? Sure, definitely. And again, before we get too far away from it, because that conversation took a lot of <laughs> a lot of twists and turns. That conversation made me a little car sick with all the twists and turns there. But moral of the story, the audio book, for Barbara Kay and Linda Blade's book, Unsporting, is now available on Amazon. So do get it if that's how you consume your books, because that's how I consume books. I just can't sit down and read. I, I put it in my ear and go do some gardening or whatever. And, and by the way, Sheila is not exaggerating, folks, when it comes to car sickness. I experienced it <laughs> firsthand with her in Israel in 2018 when the bus was going down a windy mountain road. And this woman who can strangle a wolverine with her bare hands <laughs> curled up in the fetal position. I didn't know what to do. I, it was, it was, I, I thought she was, uh, you know, punking us. But, uh, yeah, she, she can get car sick. So if you ever pick up Sheila, should she be hitchhiking, don't go to any mountainous winding roads. It's, it's very bad for her. There's a surprising amount of switchbacks in the Golan Heights. That's all I have to say. <laughs> okay, we've got to get through these because I know okay. Justin is whispering in my ear. Uh, we've got a rumble chat from Frog Soup. Used to joke they're going to start saying math is racist. Well, that's no longer a joke. Yeah, these people are beyond parody, friend. They are very much beyond parody. I, I don't even know, um, you know, like what you make fun of them today. They're just like going to do tomorrow. So don't give them any ideas, I guess. Uh, we've got a super you shout from Leaf Ye, Ye Leaf J. I'm sorry. I don't believe Kenny at all. Um, we've got a rumble chat from Share 21. I truly hope Kenny keeps his word this time. I don't I don't think he's keeping his word because he was at an event with two vaccine passports. Anyway, uh, we've got a hyper chat from Susan J. Grant. Kenny in the passport, LOL, as he allows Nashville North to demand proof of entry, mm. proof for entry. Yeah, you have to you, you had to produce proof, proof of your vaccine status to basically get into a nightclub. Sheila, could this be a new cottage industry in the months ahead? 
counterfeit proof of vaccination for those who don't want to or can't get vaccinated to say, well, here's here's my papers. (laughs) I I don't know. And I'm sure the government will come up with some sort of electronic passport that they're not going to mandate. But boy, you're going to need to sign into before you take your QR code to get scanned so that you can go into the nightclub. Like it's very I think we're almost there. Like we are there in some instances, but I think the technology is so easily and quickly adopted with Mm. everybody's got a QR scanner on their phone. I I mean, we're literally half a footstep away from all of this. You know what, forget about phones. Why don't we go all in, Sheila, and get some uh, QR code tattooed on our hands so we're just scanned like that? Well, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but, well, I'm sure you didn't because you're wise enough to not waste your time on Twitter. But... um, Gerald Butts, you know, we all know Gerald Butts, he took to Twitter yesterday to tell people um, that we should take the view of COVID as we did secondhand smoke. And he said, increasingly of the view. <laughs> this guy's insane, by the way. I was just like, what's anyways, uh, increasingly of the view that this is like secondhand smoke. If you want to be unvaccinated, be unvaccinated in private. But don't expect access to public spaces where everybody else did their part to end the pandemic. Then he goes on to say, do you want a tiny minority to have the freedom to harm themselves and others? Or do you want restaurants and schools to be open and safe? I don't know, Gerald, but you sound a little bit like an anti-vaxxer because it sounds like you don't trust the science of vaccinations. Because if you're vaccinated, what do you care that what everybody else is doing? Why do those people have to hole up in their house because Gerald Butts is some kind of hypochondriac who doesn't trust the vaccine that he took? And and Sheila, without knowing his position on this issue, I would, again, bet my life that if I I was to ask Mr. Butts, are you pro-abortion? He would say absolutely. And he would do the old uh, her body, her choice. Uh, What happened to my body, my choice, uh, Sheila, in the day and age of the pandemic? That that kind of got eclipsed, didn't it? Uh, it? It suddenly turned into the state has the right of what goes into your body. Deal with it. Well, and what else does Gerald Butts want from these people? What else should the unvaccinated not be allowed to do? Should they have to go to separate schools, uh, maybe use different water fountains, uh different bathrooms like what where does this end and the reason i bring this up is because as he was tweeting this last night incidentally i was watching tucker carlson or actually i was again i was listening to tucker carlson on fox news on sirius xm and um tucker was talking about what this sort of stuff means in practice and who actually this carves out of society who this renders housebound and segregated and for a guy whose boss or best friend did blackface at least three times this is not a good look on gerald because the a largest segment of the north american population that is resistant to vaccination who are sort of declining vaccination or slow to be vaccinated that it's african-americans and as tucker pointed out many are citing the tuskegee study the uh, where They said that black men were being um, treated for, I think it was syphilis, but they weren't. The government was saying they were. And so there's this history that exists there 
for large segments of the black population to be sort of skeptical of these mass medical experiments for them to be a part of. And so the point of that is, if Gerald really wants unvaccinated people to stay home, that might actually be systemic racism. Yeah. And, you know, Sheila, it's funny when you were saying earlier about what is the future going to entail separate classrooms, separate drinking fountains for the vaccinated and the unvaccinated to bring race into the equation? This is apartheid, which the I left, called a medical segregation. Yeah. You know, and which the left rightly uh, was against decades ago in, in terms of making South, uh, South Africa a, a pariah on the world stage. And now yeah. this is something to be championed. It, but it's not race, it's, um, it's vac- vaccination. So it, yeah. it, it, the hypocrisy is, is stunning. Well, yeah, and the amount of people who are saying, well, are you vaccinated, aren't you vaccinated? I mean, it's just, what happened to privacy, decency, propriety? That all went out the window now because a good portion of the population still remains complete and total hypochondriacs that they are so scared of something the TV told them to be scared of that they think they have a right to know about the private medical status of other people. And if you don't tell them, they think you should be unable to leave your house. And you know, Sheila, you can't get away from the preaching. Yesterday, I went to McDonald's and I looked in my bag where my egg McMuffin was placed and I saw a purple piece of paper. Here it is. It's from the government of Ontario, and it reads in part, millions of people across Ontario have received their COVID-19 vaccine, and then in big letters, do your part, get your shot. I just want to eat my McMuffin. <laughs> Why am I yeah. being preached to? <laughs> and by you the way, can't get away from this. Who's paying for this? You know, this must be, I'm going to look into this. This is the Ontario government running a press um, geez, maybe Deco Labels got that contract. I was just going to say, that's a pretty <laughs> shiny piece of paper. But they must be paying McDonald's uh, for the distribution rights, you know, to put in everyone's meal, this government propaganda. So I wonder what that little tidbit, but, you know, in these days of uh, billion-dollar debts and deficits, uh, it's probably just chump change, eh, Sheila? <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> glossy paper. That's oh, expensive. <laughs> Okay, let's keep going um, because we only have 10 minutes left in the show. <laughs> um, go to Super U, a Super U shout from Alberta separatists. Jason Kenny and Notley are trying to uh, hold my beer outdo each other at destroying Alberta. We've got a hyper chat from History Club World. The World Health Organization apparently doesn't want us to own pet dogs as they study dog food to find antibiotic resistant bacteria. Follow History Club World on Instagram. I remember a couple years ago, the environmentalists left. It was all the rage because they've effectively sterilized themselves, right? Like none of them are having kids to uh, deal with climate change, which is for me, I'm just I, I like kids and I think all kids deserve to be born. But I'm like, do the environmentalists realize that they are just um a problem that's fixing itself for me. But anyway, you mean um, they're creating but, their own extinction event? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm like, well, that, I just have to wait long enough for them to take care of that problem on their own. But since they've effectively sterilized themselves, now they've moved on to um, making sure that they can't even pass that misplaced maternal and paternal instinctual love onto a poor animal that they're probably malnourishing with vegan food, they were saying, no, 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 this is actually how much your dog costs the environment. This is the carbon emissions associated with Rover or Morgie <laughs> under my desk. And, oh, thanks, Justin. That was pretty quick. That was and great. So, uh, Isn't he amazing? And so I guess my point is, History Club world, that naturally that's the last um catastrophic thing that they fear mongered us on climate change and that'll come back around um but so naturally um they would like to make sure that you also don't have pets because of covid nobody can love anybody and be normal no, don't love anything don't be normal just die alone apparently is the the message of the left and you know sheila just a message to that community when it comes to man's best friend it isn't an environmentalist. <laughs> Sorry. <No. laughs> We've got uh, another hyper chat from History Club World. Rebels should try to get their books into local libraries. The same that way, more people can have access to them. And Sheila, I bet you could win in a boxing match against every employee of the CBC. Uh, I, I'm small though. I'm ropey and fast, but I'm small. Uh, follow <laughs> History Club World on Instagram. Uh, we've got a super you tip from Annalisa. You tipped us ten bucks, and I know. Thank you. That's a token of your love and affection for David Menzies. Um, oh, it's <laughs> the next Super You tip is my friend Mike Mayer from Freedom Honey. He tipped us five bucks, but Mike Mayer is also uh, a Canadian Forces veteran who um, is one of the co-founders of People vs. Predators. So he's doing some gr very great work, um, not only advocating for veterans after the service, um, which is something that uh, he kind of sort of does in the background, but for kids and for communities who, you know, you have these high-risk um, alleged, but sometimes convicted in some instances, um, pedophiles being rela released into the community, the communities don't even know. Some of them are being released on bail after reoffending while on bail. And so Mike and his friends at People vs. Predators work very hard to first alert communities, but work to have those bails revoked. You know, while in Alberta, we imprison pastors for preaching. Amazing. Uh, Super You from Annalisa. Uh, she says, I worked with a few people who think Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh are caring people. Oh, puke already. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a Super You shout from Mike Mayer from Freedom Honey. The leftist media is trying to blame the unrest in Cuba on COVID and not communism. Thanks, Mike and Pedro. Um, yeah, I thought that was really funny because, um, you know, I saw the Biden administration tweet out that this is about access to vaccines and blah, blah, blah. And they're literally holding flags that say, like, no communism, no communism. And they're like chanting for liberty. And the Biden administration's like, we've got to get them access to vaccines. No, it, it is amazing how the mainstream media is dredging up political science uh, people at university, Sheila, to blame this uh, Cuban uh, situation on uh well because of covid uh you know that's the embargo and the embargo the decades-long embargo and if we didn't have this 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 time this communist island would work yeah yeah we need to drop the embargo <laughs> to keep their communist leaders in power longer it's that's what they want us to do and none you know, of them you're causing this civil unrest so 
release the embargo so that there's no more civil unrest. And the ultimate result of ending the civil unrest is keeping the tyrants in charge longer. Unbelievable. Um, we've got a rumble chat from Frog Soup. Anyone else feel like it's too late for Canada? Well, I don't know. I, I'm Albertan. I'll just leave the country, <laughs> take my province with me. I don't know about the rest of you guys. Where are you going to go? Are gonna have to, no, we're just going to take the whole province and go. Just oh, I Figure see. it out. <laughs> you guys can sort out your own problems. We're out of here. Um, not my problem when we're gone. Um, we've got a hyper chat from History Club World. I read a bunch of the articles from the mainstream media about Alberta going COVID pass free. None of them mentioned that the question was originally asked by Adam Sose. Uh, it's true. They were just like a question was asked. Like they didn't say, oh, that really good question that <laughs> we all wanted an answer to that we were all too scared to ask about was asked by the rebel reporter that we like to say isn't a journalist and that we would love to have kept out of our press scrum in the first place. Um, also, also thoughts about the Cubans trying to buck the communist government. I think we just covered that. We've got a hyper chat from Juice Moose. I laugh when I see one person alone in a car unmasked. That's like living alone, wearing a condom to bed when you're alone. And I'm immunosuppressed. <laughs> That's a great analogy, actually. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I just I'm so I feel so bad for them. I, I used to get annoyed. Like I used to my daughter would be driving because she has her learner's license and I would use the button when she's driving and roll down the window and yell at cyclists. And so, so they think she's doing it. And I'd say, hey, do you know you have a mask on outside? And she would just be like, oh, mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't trying to be mean. I just think maybe I thought maybe sometimes they forget that you still have a mask on your face and you're riding a bike. Yeah. But um, I just stopped. I am just full of pity for them now. I see that often, too, Sheila. Yeah. Also, why have kids if you can't embarrass them when they're older? That's true. Um, <laughs> we got a rumble <laughs> from MVP. Um, we are headed towards a minority report level of surveillance. Hmm. Yes. Did you see that yesterday? That the Biden administration wants uh, telephone carriers to monitor your text messages for COVID misinformation. Wow. That, that's insane. That is literally insane, but also frightening that they have that capability, which means they're probably already doing it. But wait a minute, Sheila. Why just text messages? Uh, let's say you and I are having an old-fashioned telephone call, and we're talking about COVID, and suddenly the operator goes, uh, excuse me, Sheila Gunn-Reed, I didn't like what you said about the virus there. I'm terminating this call. That's what this is about. You know what? Why not if we're standing outside having a beer around the fire pit and I say, you know what? I'm not so sure if I like these vaccine passports. Why not just have a satellite shoot a laser beam into my brain from the sky? Why not? What the heck? Why not? Right? Uh, Cover all the bases. Um, okay, we've got a hyper chat from Susan uh, J. Grant. Did I see that Quebec has exposed people's privacy with the QR code not being secure? Oh, I don't know about that. I'll have to ask our Quebec-based reporter, Alexa, but yeah. no surprise there that they couldn't protect your private information because apparently no information is private anymore. You have to tell strangers on Twitter um, whether you're vaccinated or not. That's just how they are now. Oh, they like people are so virtue signaling and crazy that they're putting it in their Twitter bios where they're like, so-and-so, double-vaxxed, blah bitty blah And I'm like, like, why don't you just put, like, David 
vasectomy menzies or like, you know what I mean? Like what we're talking about our private medical information. Why not? What's the difference? Um, Sheila, high blood pressure gun. You know, like this is where I'm at. Super U uh, tip from Fraser uh, McBurney. Frasebo gives us $10. Any th- Sorry, I can't see over my own camera there. Uh, any thoughts on the arrest of Tommy Robinson today? I didn't hear about that, but I'm sure Ezra is going to likely be all over that. Um, if it happened just before uh, we went on air or in, in like the hour before, you sh- Justin says he hasn't seen anything yet either. So I, mm-hmm. I can either confirm or deny that. But usually in the hour leading up to going on air here for the live stream, I'm sort of reading the news and catching up and making sure things don't go to hell in the hour that I'm unavailable. And I think we're all caught up on uh, the chats. Um, maybe we want to go out on a video, David? Maybe? Yeah. How about that, folks? Uh, instead, oh, we have one. One more tip for $2, evidently, Sheila. Oh, um, my phone says it's not connected to WhatsApp, so let's just... Oh, well, everybody is somebody. Um, So apparently it's from someone nobody, which I disagree. Everybody is somebody. Uh, Don't spend my tip in one place. Um, We won't. (laughs) We won't. We'll sprinkle it around. Um, Yeah. Why don't we go out on a video? Maybe um, the one from the Euro Cup. That's right. Uh, On uh, Sunday, the uh, Italy defeated England uh, for the Euro Cup on penalty kicks. By the way, soccer's got to change that. That is a despicable. I mean, every four years there's a a Euro Cup or a World Cup. And then suddenly in the championship final, uh, can we hurry this along and end the game? I mean, can it be like hockey that you go to quintuple overtime if necessary? You play till you drop. I don't get it. Anyways, here's the deal, folks. I don't care if you're a fan of the Azuri, I don't care if you're a fan of soccer, but Mocha and I went down to Toronto's Little Italy, and wow, did it ever feel so normal circa 2019. Check it out. David Menzies here in Toronto for Rebel News. Well, let me tell you folks, it is a huge celebration here in Little Italy. The Azuri have won the Euro Cup. The Cup is going back to Rome and people in the Little Italy district of Toronto, well, you know what, they are partying like it's 1999, or for that matter, 2019, you know, when we could congregate, when we could gather in crowds, when we didn't have to wear face diapers. And wasn't that something from Wembley Stadium, where you saw the stadium jam-packed with fans without wearing their, their masks, incredible. Hey guys, how you doing? Italia, Italia. Italia! Italia! Doug Ford's a fraud! (laughs) You know, sir, Doug Ford and Mayor Tory, they don't want you to be congregating here today. What do you think about that? Premier Ford wants you to go back to your basement and bake a cherry cheesecake and tell Premier Ford you! And Doug Ford, they want all you people to go home and socially distance and wear a face diaper. This has been going on for a long time now. It's about people to celebrate, get out, and live life again. It's been enough. People need to live their life. Let's 
Isn't it amazing? It's it's like two years ago, but Doug Ford and Mayor Tory, they want you to go home and no. socially distance. No. no. They want you to wear a mask, ma'am. No. <laughs> they don't they want you to socially distance even in your own home. Not happening. John Tory was here without wearing a mask. <laughs> this is the Toronto that I love and miss. This is it right here. But Doug Ford wants you to go to your basement and bake a cherry cheesecake. Not happening. <laughs> I'm living life. This is my life and I'm going to live it my way. How do you say a bunch of yahoos in Italian? Bunch of shimyaun. I'll say in Oh, I love being there, Sheila. Like I said, it was so normal. And, you know, that little uh, screenshot we had of uh, Mayor Tory, to use your line, did that double vaccination turn Mayor Tory into a little old lady? <laughs> I mean, that's... I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I don't know. The more I see him, the more I'm like, does that thing do something to your testicles? Because yeah. I just, I don't, and I'm not trying to be rude, but he's looking like a, like a 65 year old grandma. I'll have to check days. his gender pronouns <laughs> on his, uh, you know, city hall page. Is it still he, him, or is it she, her, or maybe it's that Z, Zer uh, in between Twilight Zone. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. The hair salons have to open back up in Toronto. That's all I know. That's all I, I know. Think they I don't, are. you know, there's no excuse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he's choosing that. Okay, yeah. well, you know what? Okay, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, when I look at that video that we just watched, I I can't get over what a diverse crowd that is. Like, it's not, it, it's young, it's old, it's minorities, it's, it's, you know, like, for lack of a better term, old stock Torontonians and yep. uh, like it's it's everybody. And I look at that and I think, well, where's the politician to get in front of that parade? Because all these people are united against the lockdown. They just want to go back to normal. They want to live free. That's a pile of votes that should be harvested by a conservative politician who should communicate the idea of freedom to people. And they're being largely ignored or punished by conservative politicians like John Tory. I guess he claimed to be conservative at one point. I don't think he's there anymore. I don't even think he would say that about himself anymore. Uh, Doug Ford, he ran as a populist conservative. Where's that guy? This is a whole enormous swath of people who just want to go back to life as normal. And they don't have a leader who's marching in front of their parade. And also, Sheila, not that I wanted this to happen, but why isn't this mass gathering being violently shut down? Or does this fall into the realm of uh, a Black Lives Matter protest, a pro-Hamas protest, a pro-Tamil Tigers protest, all of which have taken place at the uh, forbidden zone of Young Dundas Square. But if you protest the lockdowns, as we've documented since January, you can expect to be violently taken down. Now, I, like I said, I am so happy the cops yeah. didn't lay a single charge there. But if we're being driven by the science, well, what's the difference between a pro-Italy uh, uh, victory celebration and uh, people uh, protesting the lockdown? There is no difference. It's a mass gathering, but some mass gatherings are, are more equal than other mass gatherings, to use a uh, George Orwell quote. 
well, it's just like how math is colonial or something. Like, it's just <laughs> the, the politics dictate the outcome here. And it, like you, I'm very glad that the police took a very hands-off approach. I think maybe the based on the amount of alcohol consumed, um, it was probably a good idea to not start ticketing people or try to send people home or break them up because it, the, I think it would have turned kind of ugly. Um, so uh, good for the city of Toronto that they have a glimpse of normalcy. Yeah. Um, and... I think, unfortunately, for the politicians, people see that and they're going to realize that they should have more, that that they sh- don't have to live the other way. If what happened the other night was perfectly fine and everybody let it be, and I'm glad to hear that, why can't this be every day? Well, that was several hours on a Sunday evening, Sheila. Now we go, and now it's Tuesday. If we go to Trinity Bellwoods, uh, if you're not a homeless camper, you have to remain in your spray-painted social distancing circle or get an $880 fine, and people are still sitting in those circles. <laughs> and you know what else I noticed when I was watching that video? The amount of people who are just packed, yeah. just <laughs> packed onto those patios. Yeah. And apparently that's safe, but having people sitting indoors spaced out at tables, that's a catastrophic super spreader event. Like, and Sheila, that how does was that a, make any sense? And that was a tragedy that, you know, as of Friday, the indoor dining can resume. Why couldn't they have moved that to starting on Sunday, right? Yeah. Because as much as the patios were packed, when you looked inside the interior of these restaurants, it was a ghost town. They weren't allowed yeah. to have a single customer sit indoors. And to have the restaurants up and running for the Euro Cup final would have been a bonanza for them. And we're just talking five days ahead of schedule. But I guess the Wuhan virus, you know, it, it's got a calendar watch. It's, uh, it's not ready yep. to lay back until Friday. So we couldn't have the rule relax on Sunday. Again, what a disgrace for a premier that ran on Ontario open for business. I agree, David. Now, I think we still have one super you tip um, from, I think this is Yorgi Yorgi, or maybe is it John Yoga? Is this you, John Yoga? Um, You gave us two bucks and you say, hey, Sheila, hey, David. Uh, Appreciate that very much. Every little bit helps. And uh, glad to see that you're uh, watching us, John. You're a regular viewer and a regular supporter. Well, that is fantastic. And I guess that wraps up the show. I guess we're 10 minutes over time. So uh, my thanks to Mr. Producer, of course, you, Sheila, and all the generous uh, donors. We really appreciate your contributions. We'll see you on Thursday. Tomorrow, the big boss man, Ezra Levent, will be in this chair. And in the meantime, stay sane.